When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike, co-host of Realistic Sustainability, the podcast, which you probably already know, but I'm also the author of A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life. That was the book that led to our Facebook page, our Facebook group, and, well, even this show. It offers tips on promoting your positive footprint while decreasing your carbon footprint. So, if you want to read what started all of this, get A Beginner's Guide to Greening Your Life, available on Amazon, eBay, Etsy, or just visit greeningyourlife.org for more information. Thank you for joining the sustainable movement and promoting a greener future. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. That would be me in case anyone forgot. (laughs) Now, there's no way people are going to forget that you are here. I don't know. I've pretty much forgotten who I've been all day today, so... Is it it's one possible. of those days? Uh, yeah, it is. I'm just tired, inexplicably tired. I, You know, I am a little bit myself, but I, I, I chalked it up to ridiculous weather. I mean, today it rained, and then it got chilly, and then it hailed, and then it rained, and then it was nice out. Uh, It just got cold here. I didn't get any of that. I mean, I got some sun, but it didn't hail at all over here. Yeah, we had a large array of weather changes today here. Welcome to Michigan. Which also made it very difficult to get the dogs to go outside. Uh, I was house setting or dog setting my mother-in-law's dog, and neither theirs nor Sheldon, our lovely animal, wanted to go outside and get pelted by hail. Which is you, shocking. I thought he would go out and just start chasing it. but You need to be nice to your fur, baby. He loves you so much. He does. He and I. Hey, you know what? I got a, a cover for the back seat of the truck, so he can start coming with me. He's if if you're listening, he had this dog has selected me as his person somehow. So I'm trying to I'm trying to be the buddy back that he wants me to be. Yeah, you love that dog. You just don't want to admit it. <laughs> so, anyways, I had a whole weekend pretty much to myself. I had the kids take all took off the wife took off it was just me it was the quietest weekend ever that's awesome um i spent my weekend in owasso quite a bit uh, with my buddy fred just hanging out and doing stuff there i hadn't really had a chance to spend much time with him and our wives decided to run away together so it worked out nice well i do want to tell the listeners that i did get a very special photo today from nick and it is he is going to try to grow some things or as I like to call it, slowly kill plants <laughs> that I paid a lot of money for. <laughs> no, you will do just fine. You have to water them, sunlight. It's really a, a reasonable a reasonable thing to do. Let's hope so. so Let's hope I can do it. Are you sticking with just them? Or are you going you gonna to try to grow some uh, vegetables this year? Um, well, fruits, not vegetables. I'm going to grow tomatoes and I'm going to do bell peppers, probably just green peppers. Um. I think that's it. I don't really have it. I'm not going to go crazy. I'm just going to get a couple of each plant just to kind of keep it simple and see if I can produce anything. I'm not sure if we're doing anything else. I will be getting more herbs for sure. I got sweet basil, two different varieties, and then I got a curled 
parsley. I will be getting cilantro and if I can find regular oregano because what I found today was not oregano. Okay. And I want bay leaves and I want marjoram. Well, so far the basement garden. I have gotten a full serving of sweet peas from that the pea plant and I now have lettuce growing and I've been harvesting and using it. That's awesome. So we're actually now finally getting food from our basement. That's fantastic. I don't know if I'm ever going to have that kind of luck, but also you have a nice setup down there that you spend a lot more money on than I plan ever spending on this stuff. That basement, that basement has a folding table and a, now did, Jamie did buy me a nice, you know, one of those square grow lights that are LED. It cost me about $10 a month to run it, but it, it feeds the heck out of the plants. I got plants that are on the edges leaning in trying to get to it. So I'd like to get a couple more of those so I can expand it a little bit down there, but it is it's quite literally a folding table, my plants, and a whole bunch of plastic stuff that I didn't want to throw away. That's what plants are in there. And butter containers. There's the matter of fact, the peas are in a, one of those big ice cream containers that you get from the store from one of the last mm-hmm. birthdays. Jamie doesn't like me bringing it up all upstairs, so because it, it just looks like a garage sale of garbage with plants growing out of it. But in the basement, it's totally cool. How dare you refer to the Tupperware of our childhood as garbage? <laughs> I do have a a full set of country crock containers of each size delicious except for the fact that it's margarine it's not (laughs) butter so there's that going against it so that people know a lot of times i buy things when i look for things i want at an auction that we have here in flint because these are closeout returns things like that when you buy something at that auction it it doesn't necessarily create another one being produced when Mm -hmm. i buy there it's just stuff that they were dumping off on amazon or whatever to mm-hmm. get rid of it. So uh, this week I got a bread maker. I get to start making my own bread, hopefully. Oh, that's where you got it from. Cool. Yep. So that was uh, one of those happy finds this week. So an expensive uh, machine. We'll see if that's how if I can make bread that way. Now, I know it sounds like I'm really great with plants and really great with all these other things. Just so you guys know, I'm learning as I go. The, the garden was a, I do it because it was fun, and the bread making will be the same. I guarantee the first one's going to come out either gooey or hard as a rock. It is all a learning process for me, just like sustainability. Well, bread is super easy to make. You just have to make sure you get your portions right on your flour and your water, your sugar, your yeast. Uh you said the machines could do everything for you, so I'm not going to go through you know the specifics. I will say that yeast loves sugar, so you know there's that. Right. But you'll be fine. And if it's delicious, you'll give me some. It'll be awesome. I'm super excited. I just I like sweet breads and sourdoughs and I'm going to try some stuff. So after I do it, I'll I'll let everybody know how it goes, even if it's a failure. I'm good at laughing at myself. So fair enough. This week, I want to talk about putting sustainability in K through 12 education. Now, I'm noticing when I went back to college, there's little bits put in different places of sustainability Mm -hmm. through normal classes. So econ classes, for an example, covered corporations' responsibility, and they covered a lot of sustainability tactics where it was all new to everybody, except for me, because I was taking courses in sustainability. It made me think, why is that not started sooner? Why are we waiting to give little doses to people in college? and not putting it in our K-12 through program? That's a good question, Mike. And I 
I don't actually think that there's a good answer for it. I think that it's an afterthought. And I think that by the time you try to teach people this kind of stuff, it's almost too late. Not to say that people can't learn things. I just think that if you teach a lot of these practices as just a simple way of life, as children are growing up and getting older, then it eliminates the need for the classes later on. I'm not even talking about necessarily going through and explaining the detailed reasons why you do certain things. It could be something as simple as, well, if we save this container, we don't have to buy another one. Or, you know, hey, just got back from the grocery store. Let's take these bags and use them as trash can liners. Just little things that if it's just part of their day-to-day life, it it has a, a a snowball effect as they get older. And I think that that is where it's lacking, but I'm sorry to interrupt. Please go on. No, no. And this is like, cause I, I think I'm going to put together some sustainability programs. Cause remember when I used to show up at schools and do STEM classes mm-hmm. uh, and I would go to public schools, they would invite me in and I would just take a class through a STEM, a STEM course where they got to build something and play with it. I think yep. some value in doing the same kind of, outreach when it comes to sustainability but the first thing we have to look at is the current state of our schools and before we get too far into that this is not a kick you while you're down moment we have a lot of friends and a lot of family who are teachers and they are grossly overworked at the moment overworked and underpaid overworked and underpaid during a covid period I want to make sure everybody knows as we're having this conversation, I understand the challenges. I understand that they're making you do two jobs at once in many districts, including ours here, and that we're going through a pandemic. This is not something that you've ever anticipated or planned for. I hope if anybody's listening to this and you're an educator, first of all, thank you. And please do not take anything said as it's a negative attack on you or your whole industry. So the first thing is, is when we look at the current state of education, Common Core, and I'm going to say that, I say that with excitement. Most people say that with a a dirty look on their face. Just so you know, if you're not, if you don't know how Common Core works, it's just math integrated with logic so that when kids get older, the patterns are already in their head and it turns algebra and calculus into much easier classes then kind of relearning when you get there. So these little logic jumps that they give them in K through 12 make a huge difference in college. We weren't the creators of it. This was all over the world before us. And those countries were skyrocketing while we were still sinking. That's why we took Common Core. Common Core in GSS, which I love, which is Next Generation Science Standards, which is not just we'll tell you about science and move on, but they make you touch some things and play with some stuff and and use critical thinking within the same. So I do like that stuff, but we also still teach to test. We still teach kids to pass a test. Well, that's a problem. Um, and I, I'm going to say this, that the, the notion of a test in my head is just to get a concise answer whether or not you know the, the students have learned the information and retained it. But there shouldn't be there shouldn't be the mindset to teach a class so the kids can pass a test. If you're going to take the time to teach a class, I think the whole idea would be to teach the children so they can understand it and use it in life. Well, and I think we learned during COVID that even the teaching process was a little fragile, where at least here, where I live, I know that there's a great deal of teachers struggling with the online systems. Now, some of that struggle is I still have to teach a class and then go back to the online systems and teach another one. Absolutely. But there's also some who, even the most basic functions that are there, they, they're they not being used. So for an example, if I want a bunch of kids online at a certain time, 
and I'm teaching the online class and I want them to join a a meet, it goes in a calendar with a link. You know, it gives you an alert. Technology is fantastic. And here locally, we've, we've fallen short on some of these things. And I think it's because they think that COVID's temporary and we're going to go right back to the way it was and everything would be fine. But I think part of understanding putting sustainability in school is making the classroom sustainable. And, that, and if, if once we get to a point where we can use technology, that technology still, should still be used. We live in a place where it can snow a foot overnight. We just send a text out to everybody that says, hey, go online tomorrow instead of calling off school. One thing that I want to add to what you're saying is that, and I could be very wrong in this, but I think in a lot of school districts, I think that it's always been one of those don't fix it if it's not broken scenarios and that the integration of technology into the educational process has been very slow and oftentimes it's just been at a drip pace Mm -hmm. and i only say that's a problem because things like google exist and google is an amazing resource and it's most of it's all free and it can be utilized for so many different parts of education you're talking about kids students getting in line just a couple weeks ago you were showing me how to use google sheets for all intents and purposes is like having excel i never learned that in school and it's something that is very beneficial to what i'm currently doing with some of my new projects and it's a free service as long as I can get online. Well, that's not the only one. There's docs and there's all different things that Google has, slides and whatnot, that could be useful to students and teachers and different programs. And even even if just the, the educators and administration want to communicate amongst themselves, it really simplifies the process as long as they know how to do it versus the old things that they had to do, which probably took a lot more time and effort and wasted a lot more resources. Well, and if you want to have sustainable learning, you have to have a sustainable process. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think we're kind of going through, and, th- and this is what I tell I, when I'm talking to teachers, I get it, man. You've got a million things going on. This is an opportunity to kind of reinvent how we do our schooling with K through 12. This is an opportunity to design a better way. But in the process of designing that better way, I think sustainability as a topic should be intertwined into the education because I think it fits. You know, we we learn in history, but do we learn in we learn about the industrial age in history? But does it does it tell you what it did beyond get a lot of people rich and increase the, the standard of living for others? It doesn't talk about the ecological damage. It doesn't talk about you know, admissions and the things that it did, even if it was a side note, it would have been helpful. I kind of want to talk about how do we intertwine sustainability with with basic K through 12 education? Well, I think it's a good place to start. I think that using the Industrial Revolution is definitely a a great foothold on it. I'm not really sure how best to really how best to sell that to educators because I'm sure that a lot of them are just, and I hate to sell this, but I know there's a lot of amazing teachers that are passionate about what they do. And then there are a lot of educators that after so many years, they've lost it and they just show up to do their job and they've got a, a specific lesson plan that's usually defined by either the school district or the state that they have to follow. And so really, I think that to get it done, we'd almost have to maybe pass legislation to have it included. I really don't know very much about the educational process in that regard. I don't know what's required by state. I don't know what they have to teach, but I, I have ideas of what they think they should teach. I think that what you're touching on is something that definitely should be included. Well, much like the show, the concept is, is start a conversation. Now, it doesn't mean that every single point has to be a sustainability conversation. That might be an industrial revolution, you know, 
how we were able to build things faster, how how did finances help others? That's a great conversation for those kids to have. But it also might lead into different conversations that create this critical thinking. You know, those are not things that are on the standardized test. And that critical thinking conversation is important. You know, what are mm-hmm. some what are some of the things that we could talk about? We could talk about food waste. There's whole classes on nutrition. Why do we not integrate food waste? into those conversations. If 40% of all the food we get is wasted, it's a great place to start that conversation so kids aren't just constantly throwing things away. No, you're right. And one of the things I wish that we would have been um, when I was in schools, when I was very young, we talked about the food pyramid. And then as I got older, they started realizing the food pyramid was a terrible idea and never should have been taught because it's carbs, 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 carbs. But that was never corrected in class. I never went through. We, like I took a health class and there was nothing on that really even touched on it. In fact, the only thing we talked about was mental health, which is very important, mind you. But there's lots of things in terms of sustainable living that, that could be included in the educational process. There's tons of it. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily far-fetched for it to be in there. For an example, here in Duran, we have greenhouses and we have an agricultural club. Gardening is taught in Duran. Is it, you know, anything big? Not really. But I think it's important just to understand if you're going to learn the biology and they're going to show you pictures of the plant, walk outside and go look at one. Yeah, absolutely. I know that we have, I do not believe we have a gardening thing in Montrose. I know they do. They started doing classes outside. I know that we had a class out in the woods. They've got permanent fixture benches out there. And I know that there are nature-based classes, but I because you know that was so far after my time, I'm not sure what they are. Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there are some possibilities. Now, those are direct integrations to existing classes, but I think that there needs to be conversations around plastic. Plastic and landfills. I think there has to be specific conversations. If I'm going to build a few classes and go in and talk, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to focus on those. And you know why. We've we've spent weeks and weeks and months now talking about plastics. And plastics are becoming a growing problem year after year after year. And everything a kid wants in their early stages is usually molded out of plastic. Absolutely. And it's not so that a kid feels bad and doesn't get a toy. That is not the intent. It is so that they get an early understanding that when you get this item, it's going to outlive me. This item is, and maybe they won't necessarily always ask for the toy. Maybe they'll go for the apple over over something else periodically. Like if we do this education, my daughter, I really honestly thought my daughter was going to be the first child to get diabetes from apples. <laughs> that girl would go through a bag a weekend. And I mean, really? it would eat me almost out of house and home. Because as you know, I can buy, you know, apples are expensive. I can buy bags and bags of rice for a dollar, but I can't get apples for a dollar. And back then I was still in college. It was a struggle. But she learned early that the she liked the sugar from fruits and vegetables or from fruits, really. And so when people would bring candy, she wouldn't eat it and she would always eat the apple. That's you know, that's amazing, and that's fantastic. And it made me chuckle kind of because there's a, a scene in a movie that I absolutely adore where a chef takes his son to a farmer's market, and the son asks for kettle corn, and he goes, what, why? He goes, look at this beautiful piece of fruit. 
It's like, look at this gorgeous, beautiful piece of fruit. It's orange. It's just, you know, it's packed full of wonderful flavor. Now it's like, do you really want the kettle corn or do you want to bite into this juicy orange? And then it skips to the next scene and they're both walking, eating the kettle corn. I thought that was the most ridiculously accurate snapshot of our culture. Like we all know <laughs> it's better for us, but here we are eating this processed stuff covered in processed sugar and it's, it's terrible and it needs to change. Yeah. And I think because we already tried or started to put nutrition courses in school. So, I mean, we've already tried to put nutrition courses in school. There's no, it's not much different to teach why. Right now, they just say it's good for you. Eat it. You know, it's we want to also show if we get apples from Michigan, it's a heck of a lot better than that box of, you know, macaroni and cheese that was packaged on the other side of the planet. Yeah. Oh. All I'm asking for is the discussion of where they came from so they get a better understanding. Emma, do I think they're going to be masters of embodied energy at the age of seven? Absolutely not. But when I taught STEM for K through sixth grade, all I wanted was exposure. Expose children to scientific methods. Because as they get older, they'll recognize them again. And I think you can do the exact same thing with sustainability, and it will help our culture move in a less wasteful way. Yeah, and if nothing else, it'll help us kind of redirect where culture is going. Because things right now are so terribly just misguided that it's going downhill real fast. It's been going downhill for a long time. So if you start at a young age and start to show them the impacts long-term of the little decisions and why in simplistic, easy ways that are fantastically simple to swallow, then you could even to some degree say it's indoctrinating our youth with like sustainability, but it kind of needs to be done. And like we've talked about this time and time again, a lot of these practices might seem radical and new now, but you know, three three generations ago, that was common practice. They, that's what they did all the time, just because that's how you did it. And now we have to reterm it, reclassify, it, and reteach it. Well, and I, it, I think you know me well enough to know that I hold a lot of stock in kids learning because they are going the kids are the, some of the smartest creatures on the planet. They just never use it in the right direction. They are tiny little scientists. They are they think different than the rest of us, and the, the, there is so much value in how a child thinks. That's why STEM, even I'm an engineer. I don't have to go teach STEM. I do it because I get to go play with kids. It's fun, and I get to create that little spark. One of those kids is going to grow up and solve a problem. One of those kids is going to invent something pretty darn cool. They might even invent something that keeps me alive longer. Why wouldn't I believe that if we start showing these things, showing that plastic doesn't go away, showing that we have an ocean spot that is the size of Texas at its smallest point full of plastic, or the fact that in, in 20 years there'll be more plastic in the ocean than fish? Why, why would I not believe that one of these kids is going to be moved by that? And they're going to do amazing things. Or at least the rest of them not waste as much. Well, truthfully, I think anyone with any common sense should believe that because that's how the people that have made the scientific breakthroughs came to pass. They had a spark of interest when they were young and things just never, they were, it was never that, that way of thinking, that, that interest, that that spark of ingenuity, however created and dug and looked and was curious. It was un and they did what they could to understand and make things better. And like it, that type of person is so important 
And that's naturally instilled in all children that they just have it. Every time a kid bangs on a pot and pan, they're doing an experiment. I, I, I know that I'm quoting Neil deGrasse Tyson when I say that, but you just did too. So um, <laughs> the fact of the matter is they're naturally curious. And we need to help that. We need to help that along the way. Yeah, biology should be in nature. We, kids at some point, especially in the springtime, as, as the season's starting to end and the sun is out and everybody wants to be outside anyways, get their hands in the dirt. Because there's something special about getting your hands in the dirt. Teach biology the same way you teach STEM. Now, granted, not every place teaches science, technology, engineering, and mathematics by building projects and teaching it. They should. That's how we teach. Absolutely. And the same thing should be done with agriculture, with biology, all these things that we want to teach. Let's go look at a root. Let's go see the structure of this plant. And it, I think there is a lot more that we can get because as engineers, as, as an engineer, I know that the first thing I do when I look at a problem is say, has nature already solved it? Because I subscribe to biomimicry. I believe that nature's had millions of years to solve these problems. I shouldn't be so arrogant to think that I'm going to do it this week. Yeah. So every problem I look at, I look at nature first to see. Kids should learn that, in, you know, that instinct to look at nature first. We should be teaching that in school. And I think that is an extremely important way of thinking that it can really, really build on their whole lives. You're 100% right. And we talked a little bit about this in, in past episodes where you, you've talked about a tree and all the functions that a tree does. And when you talk about biomimicry, like how can we duplicate all the functions in a tree in a single device? I'm not sure if it's possible. I don't think it can be done. Not the same way not, a tree does it. Not right now we can't. I mean, technology is just not there, but it, it, there's nothing to say. It won't be there someday. Someone may have an amazing breakthrough. They might look at that and have a slightly different way of seeing it that, that makes it easier to digest for their brain, where they can come up with something. They can have a breakthrough that can help humanity out because there's a lot of things in nature that are, you're right, that are just kind of fixed, that are certain ways. Yeah, I mean, so we teach we teach by doing be instead mm -hmm. of instead of looking for a checkbox on a test. And again, teachers, this isn't to you. You guys do a heck of a job. And I took the easy way out. I, I taught some STEM on the side, but I got to do it my way, not the state's way. So <laughs> I took the easy way out. I got a master's degree and went into engineering. You guys, you guys took the hard route. So but I think there's value in a field trip to places like landfills. I think that the, to get a better idea of recycling, because I got to tell you, I grew up with the term away being a real place. Throw it away. You throw it and it went to like Neverland. It just goes poof. It just disappears in the trash can where I think now kids kind of have to understand there is no away. The fact that that plastic that our great grandfather threw away is now in our oceans and back in our stomachs after we ate some fish. Never. You're right. Well, it's kind of, I'm going to reach for this one, but you have to look at like, you ever seen a kid tell them to clean their room and they just put everything in the closet and close the closet doors and the room looks clean. The that is, that's the illusion of clean. That is the exact same thing people have done with landfills to the environment. They come every week, they collect your trash, they take it and they dump it in a big hole and they bury it or it goes in the ocean and your community is nice and clean because it is your community is clean. The garbage didn't disappear. It's not that it's gone. We just buried it or shoved it somewhere else. Got a hole dropped in the ocean. Like it's still there. It hasn't been properly disposed of. It's just been moved so you can't see it. Well, and it's I love how kids ask questions. 
that are so simple, but adults look at it like it's mind blowing so many times. Like if you show kids plastic being incinerated, it's not going to take very long before they go. That doesn't seem good. That's going into my air, Mm -hmm. you know, and look at the pile of trash you you're working on burning. Like there's that they're much quicker than adults. They will say things because they don't have they're not worried about what someone's going to say about the thing they said. They're not worried if they're aligned with their political team. They're not worried if they're, you know, they're just going to say it. And it's so pure. And that's what I liked about it with STEM. And I think they would do it with sustainability. Plus, I think there's value in explaining reuse and repurpose. I think that that is something that needs to be taught to kids at a young age that just because something it's it's original intended use it's broken and it can't do it anymore doesn't mean it can't be something else absolutely that is oh yes that is fantastic and you're right you're absolutely right and i think that it's super important to instill that upon kids because kids change what they like so fast and what they're into and a child could want something right now it's the newest, greatest thing, and they could get it. And then a couple of days later, it's old news, and they're not interested anymore. Because that's how young people are, and that's that's something you, you grow out of as you get older, hopefully. But that always, without a shadow of a doubt, leaves a pile of plastic goods and items, clothing, toys, just in a just in a room, chilling. Like, okay, well, is this going to Goodwill? Is it getting thrown away? What are we doing this? Do you have anyone else that could use it? Like, it's everywhere. Every family goes through this. How often do you buy jeans for your kid? They outgrow them a month later. Right. Well, I think I've told the story before where I used to go teach in in the north end of Flint and I would always bring mechanical pencils because they're like gold, apparently. Every child wants their own. And I used to tell them, I'm going to give you a mechanical pencil, but you can't write with it and you can't erase with it, but you can do whatever else with it. If you find another use, you can keep it because I'm just trying to get them to think outside the box a little bit. And I think that's there's some value in teaching that as a sustainable future course or class or inter- somehow mix it into the classroom. I agree. That, and I think that if we taught children that, they would go through things less or they would find different ways to use things that maybe weren't their intended purpose. And I think that's wonderful. I think we should teach parents that too, but, you know. Well, and I think, okay, so I've worked with political parties when it comes to sustainability. I've worked with a lot of different groups. And one of the things I say is you always have to have a short term and a long term. Everybody wants the shortcut. We're only talking shortcuts. I want this result by next week kind of stuff, which is fantastic. What is your long term goal that you're running parallel to it? So, yeah, I want every adult today to get this, understand this, and start making these changes little by little. So realistic sustainability is about small changes every day. Absolutely. That is what we're doing now. But the long-term goal, the long-term understanding, is making sure that the kids know it before they even get to adulthood. It becomes second nature to, to not throw everything away, to to reuse as something as much as possible to understand that everything you've ever bought is a resource. Everything you've ever collected is a resource in some way. And when only when you throw it away, is it lost? So when they come out of school with this basic understanding, their life is different than ours. Well, yeah, whether what you're, what you're telling me, or what I guess what I'm going to try to articulate in a different way is that we in a long-term goal, want to see the term sustainable living just to go back to being living, to, to teach these ideals of sustainability, just make them part of your life. Because when you do that, you make real change happen. You influence change, you inspire people, you teach people the error and the ways, 
and not in not ever to alienate or call people stupid, just to show them that there are things they could do that are better. And when you live like that, you make real change. And you and you make a few better choices here and there. And and that coupled with us making our changes and putting more pressure on corporations to make better changes. It's really an an approach that has to happen at every level. If we're going to get where we need to be as a planet, we have to push on every bruise. Absolutely. And this is the only one that's not a bruise. We're just adding education to the education. That's a good way to put it. And I never really looked at the notion of it as pushing on the bruises, but you do. You do have to. It's the stick or the carrot. Either you get a a benefit for, for doing something right and you get the carrot, or you get charged more for using more water. That's just the stick to help reduce water. I mean, the world knows that it has to happen. And we mm-hmm. and it's reflected in our pricing. It's re- reflected in the things that are easier to get or harder to get. You know, so it's just a matter of realigning it with reality and making sure everybody understands it and knows it. Because not everybody does. They just get mad because beef is more expensive. They don't realize that it is arguably. I think it's rated second, but I think there's discussion that it arguably is the highest emitter of greenhouse gases. So I don't doubt it. But all they see is the price going up. Well, that's the stick. That's the eat less beef stick. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's better if we know. And it's not just this mystery thing that happened. So if we taught that kind of stuff in school, what would it do? What would it really do for a student? Just think about they went through their normal school, but in, in little opportunities from K through 12, they've done a few little experiments. They've done they've done a trip to the landfill. They've had little recycling, you know, competitions. But when they learned about history, they learned even the environmental impacts of history. What would that do for a student leaving high school? I would hope it would allow them to make better choices in their life. That would influence their environment a little less in a negative way to lower their carbon footprint to live an easier life not dare i say almost minimalistic life and i'm not saying they can't have things but they'd probably buy a little less they'd probably waste a little less they'd probably reuse a little more if they, i mean if, if we're being honest and i think that that's a long-term goal i think that's kind of what we want well and it's funny you say that because so jamie's younger than i am and my son is 15. So I've got all these different generations in the house. And it's fun to see the difference. I grew up in a generation where it's very archaic. You're the man. You are the person who has to always have all these good jobs. You have to make sure even if you hate everything you do, you do it for the family. Mm-hmm. Jamie's mindset is I work so I the exact amount I have to so I can live. She is, do you take this money and buy a new item or do you take this money and go there for a weekend and have a new experience she will pick the experience 95 percent of the time and that is a very that is a big difference because when i was a kid it was buy a house fill it with as much stuff as possible and your goal is to make your house your centralized place of stuff and it's challenging mm-hmm. for me to say wait no i i do want to experience something I won't buy the item because I have all this programming in me. And I, I got to tell you, all these trips she's been sometimes dragging me on with my heels in the ground have been amazing. And I have loved it to the point where you guys have heard me say it a hundred times. I'm, li- I'm going to die in Hawaii because and I never would have gone there without her. I never really? even would have considered it. Is that Really? I didn't know that. Aiden, 
Aiden, as a kid, is a minimalist by nature. That kid needs Wi-Fi, an Xbox, a connection to his friends, a little bit of clothes, some deodorant, access to a shower, and a bicycle. Other than food, which is usually not always the best selection, but at least it's food, that's it. He never needs anything. Christmas rolls around. What do you want? Man, no, I don't really need anything. He's, his bedroom is a bed, a futon, and a television. There's no pictures on the walls. There's no trinkets. He doesn't have statues like the toy stuff that you and I have. He doesn't have any of that stuff because he doesn't care. He's like, why would I spend the money on that? I can save it to do whatever I want to do later. He, to him, he would much rather take that, save that money so that he hit in his head, then he doesn't have to stress out. He equates having money in the bank account as mental security. And he's not wrong. I agree with that. I actually agree with that aspect of it um, very well. I think that for a lot of people, and I, I don't know the statistic on this, but it was a, a very large demographic of people that live check to check. They don't really know how good that feels to not have to worry about their check coming in. Everyone obviously wants to get paid for the time spent working, but there is a, a sense of security, a sense of, of mental wellness that you get when you aren't worried about that. When when it's income tax season and it doesn't matter when your refund comes, that's not common. A lot of people don't know what that feels like. I am just barely getting there now and it feels so much better. So I understand that. I'm a little envious that I'm not a little more like that by nature because I've always been that person fill the house with junk. Well, and I looked up as I said it and I got an iron man over here, but Aiden, his generation isn't necessarily like when I was a kid, there was always a list of things I wanted. Mm -hmm. I was just waiting for someone to say, hey, Mike, is there something you want? Because I had this list that would roll out like it was on parchment paper and go down the aisle. Uh, yeah, and he doesn't have that. He gets a, well, I could use an Xbox card. You know, my shoes are getting a little a little tight. I could, I could probably use some shoes. There's holes in my socks. Yeah, I mean, and as he gets a little older, he is getting a little more conscious of the clothes he wears and would like nicer things. And at this point, I, I love the fact that he asked for something, you know, <laughs> which is mm -hmm. the complete opposite of what you would expect. But how funny is it that we're looking at three generations there? Three separate mindsets, three separate groups. I have that old traditional root yourself in, work a job even if you don't like it. You do all, you do it because you're supposed to mentality. Jamie's got a, you don't control me. I work because I need to pay the bills and I want to go to Texas. Mm -hmm. I work because I have a friend in Florida I'd like to visit. To her, it's just a mode to do the things she wants to do in life. And I envy that and I'm getting better. I'm starting to enjoy life a heck of a lot more now that I've married Jamie. Good. And then you have even another step below, which is Aiden, who could give, he does not care about stuff i mean he cares about his, his snacks or if he's gonna go and get this burger he's still a teenager but he doesn't really stress out about items or things i mean he does buy some things that i think are silly which because i'm so many generations away from him i try to understand like uh digital content he already bought the game i don't know why it's a dollar for the cape but i let it go that's his generation and it's his money and he he can spend it how he wants but it's amazing to see how those differences have evolved because we've all gone through different life events. We've all had different parents. We've all had all these different things happen. Imagine if we could, by default, create sustainable thinking. No. Yeah, imagine. I would much rather these kids be learning about their positive footprint. 
Agreed. And, and I think that that in itself might be the very first class I put together to go visit schools with is developing your positive footprint. But I think in all, what it would do is it would it would make the concept of embodied energy, maybe not the word of embodied energy, but the concept of embodied energy more mainstream, understood. Yes. It would get kids to buy less, reduce waste. And I think it would do a lot for sustainable thinking and problem solving. I think you're correct, and I think that if you apply those things and you try, you try to you try to explain the different effects their decisions have in life, I'd hope that they would see the value in it. And I, like I said, I don't expect anyone to have a a working knowledge over detailed analysis and, and things that you would have to look up statistics on. But if you just say, "Hey, if you don't do this, if you do this." It helps the earth. Or, hey, by using less plastic, that means it's less they have to produce. Real simple concepts. I think it's great. I think it's something that we should have been doing the entire time. It's something I wish I would have known about sooner. Because a lot of these things that you bring up to me, they aren't like they're... It's not like it's super hard to comprehend. It just clicks. Like, oh, I know that. Why haven't I been doing it? Right. Well, hopefully we can find a way to integrate this into the future of education, because I think education is getting it's going to get a little bit of an overhaul, because even though they think that online is over, I think it's just beginning. I think there's going to be hybrid classes everywhere. And since they're already redesigning education and learning, there's got to be a way to integrate these these known truths and these these concepts and understanding the fact that my shirt that I'm wearing that if I only wore it twice just the energy and the dye alone mm-hmm. is you know or where it was shipped from it's mind-boggling to me I got to wear things till they seriously fall apart and then still use them in my garden or something because I feel like every scrap must be used and I think that kids would get that all on their own I hope so well That's all we have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This is kind of a unique discussion. It is really just a hypothesis or just a thought. Hopefully we can start integrating some of this thought processes into not only our friends and our family, but it can be integrated into schools. And then we, again, push the bruises on corporations to do the same. So that's all I have for this week. We appreciate you listening. And for those of you who have been leaving reviews on apple Podcasts. thank you very much if you haven't please go on to itunes and leave a five-star review it helps us tremendously that's all we have i'm mike and i'm nick and we'll see you next week Feeling overwhelmed by climate change? Looking for sustainable and ethical brands to support? Then Ethic is perfect for you. Ethic is a simple browser extension that helps you find sustainable and ethical brands online. Learn more at ethic.org. E-T-H-Y-K.org.